How many people are New Year's resolutions people? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Here we go. I got 15 minutes to make the case to see if I can change all your minds, okay? So I'm gonna actually try and change your minds to make you believe in New Year's resolutions. This is the part where you're all like skeptical, like, okay, Clausen, let's see what you got. Okay, um, how was everyone's Christmas? I heard a lot of mellows. Anyone have a busy Christmas? Crazy Christmas? Busy Christmas, okay, crazy. Anything mellow? Walks? Uh, my wife and I, up to Christmas Eve, were very, very busy. And then Christmas Day, it's chill. The boys, we went to Korean barbecue. For all the Korean barbecue people who were open on Christmas Day, thank you. Appreciate that. I don't like cooking. And then we went up to Edmonton to visit her families, my wife's families. And uh, as we were kind of like noodling between families, someone handed out a, sheaf, a shelf of papers. It's my mother-in-law. She's passed away about a year and a half now. But it was her Christmas baking lists starting from 1967. This is one example. In her own handwriting, Christmas baking. 1971, the day before, the year before I was born. Shortbread, 7.5 dozen. Sugar cookies, 10 dozen. Date-filled cookies, 5 dozen. Bread, root loaves, four, 6 loaves. Norwegian cookies. I can't even read all this stuff. This was her cooking list, her baking list, for one Christmas. Who cooks that much? Does anyone even know what a krumkaka is? You know what a krumkaka is? Do you like? It's like a Norwegian like, ice cream cone-shaped cookie. Oh. Yeah. Is it tasty? Yeah, it kind of tastes like a regular ice cream waffle cone. He says it's like an ice cream cone, kind of like that crusty part. It's just made in a circle. Okay, who knew? How many people actually do more leading up to Christmas, shopping, cooking, social events, wrapping? Wrapping always gets me. That was always stressful. Think of how much you do leading up to Christmas. I was, uh, we were setting up for Christmas Eve. It's, if you were there, it's this big to-do. And I had some, some guys who came and helped me. Wicked help. Amazing. <laughs> One of them walks in. He's like... We're doing all this work for one service? And I was like, yes. Yes? Yes. It's Christmas. Why is it that for Christmas, we bake more, we do more social events, we spend more money, we even maybe dress up more? Why? just because the calendar says December 25th? It's kind of strange. If you ask my mother-in-law, said, hey, we'd like you to bake 4,000 different things in like, I don't know, March. She'd be like, oh, that's ridiculous. But Christmas Eve, well, of course we bake that. What is it about Christmas that bumps up our productivity, that bumps up our spending. Something about a day on a calendar changes us. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I came in this morning and um, Sean, he's on our stream team. Sean, give everyone a wave here. There he is back there, I can see him. 
Sean's just graduated. What's your, you had your bachelor's degree, now your master's in what again? Entertainment business. So the next whatever movie you see will be Sean's movie. So now, Sean, you graduated just a couple weeks ago, right? Right. Okay, so just a couple weeks ago. And your school is in Florida? Orlando. Orlando, Florida. Gotcha. And so you guys flew down to Florida, stayed for how many days? Ten days. Ten days. How much, if you don't mind sharing with us all, how much was your trip worth? $8,000. Do you take $8,000 trips every week? No. Do you take $8,000 trips every month? No. Every year? No. Every decade? Maybe <laughs> what is it about he graduates and suddenly he's spending $8,000 on an insanely cool trip to go and walk across the stage of his graduation? All it is is his graduation day but somehow it unlocks a new budget level. Is it like a video game where you unlock a new level? Like, hey, we have extra money now. Something about the calendar seems to impact us in different ways. It motivates us to do different things, spend differently. When your birthday comes up, if you're as young as I am, you know, whatever the number and then the zero after, you know, your 40s, you're coming up to 30, you're 39 and you're coming up to a 40 and you're like, oh boy. Somehow it's just one more day on the calendar, but suddenly you're thinking back of the last decade and wondering about your future and what are my plans and who am I and how should I do this? What's changed? What has motivated all this self-reflection? A day on the calendar. Could it be that there's some motivational bump tied to dates on the calendar? I've been looking at our spiritual ancestors. In the Christian tradition, which is the tradition I'm from, we have Christmas and Easter, right? Christmas, we put up all these lights, we do all this work, you know, blah, 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 just because it's Christmas. And I used to think, well, why are we celebrating Christmas? Well, because it's tradition. But I'm starting to think more deeply about that. I actually think our spiritual ancestors were a bit more wise than that. Oftentimes, I think of early religion as the first understandings of psychology. They understood something about us as humans. So why, so the Jewish community, so our spiritual ancestors, who are you know, our partners now, can you throw up the list for me? This is what they celebrated per year. Sabbath, that's weekly, Rosh Hashanah once a year, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, uh, Hanukkah, Purim, Passover. And they all do it with food. Those guys celebrate the best. There's one holiday, I can't remember which one it is, but I call it the donut holiday, because they cook fresh donuts. I love that holiday. But why all that? What is it about a day on a calendar? What is it about us as humans that interact with a day in a calendar? People say, it's my birthday. Oh, it's no different than yesterday. That's true. And yet, we do different things. We spend differently. I think New Year's is just the same thing. 
It's a day on the calendar that has something special to it. It's not that it's intrinsic, it's in us. Like those holidays, there's a bump in motivation. A bump. There's a guy, um, I just forgot his name. Give me a second, talk amongst yourselves, hold on. Ray, that's what his name is. He's a Canadian, late 90s. He's sitting on his couch one day. The article says, at some points in his week, he's eaten McDonald's for three meals. I sometimes do that. He's very out of shape, they say. Pack-a-day smoker. And his brother is this ultramarathoner, meaning someone who's really fit. An ultramarathon is anything over 42 kilometers. So you go 45 kilometers ultra. And he's looking at his brother going, I kind of want to do that. So he says, okay, that's it. I'm going to start by quitting smoking. So he comes up to December 31st. It's like 1998. He's like, okay, this is the last cigarette. He just like, you know, <laughs> you see these people. <laughs> the fireworks are about to go off and they're just like pounding that last cigarette back. <laughs> they're like, this is the last one. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. However many days later, he lights one up again. He's like, oh, I thought days on a calendar give me a bump in motivation. Next year, tries the same thing, 1999. He's like, or 1998. Okay, this is the last one. However many days later, he's smoking again. But he goes, you know what? Next year is Y2K the beginning of a new millennium. There's got to be some power in that, right? There's got to be some extra bump in motivation. Remember, when our ages end in a zero, something happens to us. We get this motivation to look back at our lives. When the date changes from 1999 to 2000, that's a lot of zeros. You get a lot of bump in motivation off that one. 1999, December 31st, he sucks that last cigarette back. Throws out the butt. The thing drops. The next day he wakes up. Doesn't smoke. Next day, wakes up again. He's craving it. He wants it. Doesn't smoke. He's like Ray of 2000 does not smoke. Incredible. Three years later, he runs his first ultra marathon. Then it goes crazy. Can you throw the next one up for me, Esmond? In 2007, crosses the Sahara Desert by foot. 7,500 kilometers took him 111 days. Anyone feel you can pull that off? Okay, it gets better. Next one, please. Uh, nine, speed record to the South Pole without skis. Who does that? South Pole is hard enough, and I'm going to make it harder by not using skis? He walks with snowshoes. 130 kilometers, temps below minus 50. Took him a little over 33 days. Next one, please. 11, ran solo across the dry desert on Earth. I think that's the Atacama. 1,200 kilometers, took him 20 days solo. Next one. Across Baffin Island. You guys know, this is Canadian content. He's a Canadian. Baffin Island. 
There's this like wicked crazy pass that's full of like polar bears and it's just death. That's all it is. It's like whatever, Death Valley. Actually, no, he does Death Valley. He does it eight times. Next one for me. 2015, Canadian Geographic names him one of Canadian's top explorers. Duh. Okay, last one. This is just a, like a smattering of his resume. Attempted to repeat a run through Death Valley. He'd already done it before. He actually bailed in 2021 when the temperatures reached 57 degrees centigrade. Don't you boil at that temperature? Like humans can't. You, no, you just can't. Couch potato. Smoker. Sedentary. To that. What was the catalyst? A special New Year's Eve. Is there power in New Year's? It's kind of hard to deny it, isn't it? For some reason in our brains, there's something about a day on the calendar. Some of them mean something to us. Psychologists have studied this. There is actually a bump in motivation that we get from these things. You can measure it. Now the question is, how big is the bump? Yeah, we'll talk about that next. But could you buy into the idea that maybe there's a bump, potential bump in motivation for you today that you could use? Now, we can talk about all the times New Year's resolutions failed. I'm going to talk more about that next. Actually, I'm going to get the band to come up. Hey, Craig, we're going to change songs. We're going to do Craig's and Clay again, okay? okay? Thanks, buddy. If there's a bump in motivation that happens today, now we have an option. We can all be jaded and go, yeah, whatever. It's bullshit doesn't work, never works, whatever, the gyms, everyone's going to buy their gym membership and then screw it, no one's going to be there. We can do that. Or we can ask a different question. And that's the question I want us to ask. The man's going to come up and play a song. It's the same one. It's going to tie into the next part of this message. I'm going to give you guys a coffee break because I want you to sit and think about this for a bit because there's a question I want you to think about. Can you throw it up for me? Where would I focus that bump in motivation in my life this year? Again, if you want to ignore this message, all you have to say is, it's all BS. There's no motivational bump. It doesn't work. You have to explain Ray Zahib and how he went from couch potato to ridiculous athlete. You have to explain why all these moments in the calendar seem to give us added motivation, added drive. Somehow, my mother-in-law can cook you know, more food than an army can eat in a month because it's Christmas. You can go jaded. Or you can ask yourself, if I get a bump in motivation, what am I going to do with that bump? Where am I going to focus it? Anyone come up with something? If you get a little bit of a bump in motivation, what would you apply it to? It's an interesting question, isn't it? I've been thinking a lot lately, if we do get a bump in motivation from these moments, these dates on the calendar, 
And if our spiritual ancestors have tied in festivals and celebrations into that same idea to get us to focus on certain something, to use this bump in motivation, where do we focus it? Now, again, the first thing that someone does, and you all, jaded people you are, started off, how many people are New Year's resolutions? You're all like, bah, humbug. Why? Anyone have a resolution that didn't go very far? Anyone see a gym? I, in fact, I used to, when I used to climb a lot at the gym, I would take January and the first part of February off because it was packed. By mid-February, it was back to us again. We had the place to ourselves. So we look around and we see all these resolutions that didn't do anything, that didn't seem to work. Why is that? Is it because there's no motivational bump? Is it because we're bad people and we can't keep a resolution for, to save our lives? I wonder this. How much do we underestimate how much making a change, how much motivation it's going to take to make a change? Have you thought about that? I have friends who, you know, like raise, you know, couch potatoes, nothing. And they're like, okay, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to go from I never go to the gym, I don't eat healthy, I don't sleep worth a darn, whatever. I'm going to hit the gym six days a week forever. How much motivation do you think it's going to take to go from zero to six days a week? I hit the gym pretty regularly. I don't pull off six days a week. I don't have enough motivation. Studies tell us actually that people underestimate how much motivation something's going to take. Oh, I want to run a marathon. Okay, well, how much motivation is that? I want to run an ultra marathon. When I started doing running ultra marathons, my first one took me two and a half years of training every week. Two and a half years to be able to run the first one. That's a lot of motivation needed, isn't it? Every week, no matter how you feel, no matter what the weather looks like, no matter anything, what holiday it is, where you are. So my first question, as you start to think in terms of, if there's a bump in motivation, what would I apply it to? My question is this, how big do you think the bump is? And how much do you think your resolution needs to accomplish it? That's a bit sobering, isn't it? Jordan Peterson, when he's in his psychology work, I really like his psychology work, actually his biblical study work too. He encourages us this way. He says, hey, when you're trying to make a change, pick a goal and then make it smaller and then make it smaller still. Pick the smallest goal you can come up with. And if you can't accomplish it, it's your goal was too big. Make it smaller. Andrew Huberman, Huberman Lab, says when you learn something new, the optimum amount of new learning your brain can do is when you actually achieve it 85% of the time. That means 17 out of 20 times it works and you only fail three times. That's like in baseball, isn't that like a .800 batting average? I don't even think it goes to that number. I looked it up because I don't know a whole lot about baseball. 
An insane number. How many of us set New Year's resolutions that are that small and that achievable? I'm like, I'm going to solve my finances. That's my New Year's resolution. This year, I'm solving my finances. I get a bump from New Year's. Let's do it. I've misspent my whole life. I'm horribly in debt. You know, blah, 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 blah. That's a lifelong process. Maybe a better goal would be I'm going to bring my lunch one day a week. Maybe that's too big of a goal. I can't even handle that one. I tried that one a couple years ago. Maybe this, I'm going to try and buy a cheaper lunch one day a week. Maybe that's what I can do. Maybe I'm just going to do it once. That will be my goal. Be honest with yourself. If New Year's, the date on the calendar, gives us a motivational bump, how much? And is your goal so lofty and so massive that it would take all the New Year's in your life to accomplish it? What if you made it smaller and smaller still and smaller again? Something you could have go right almost every time. Next year you come back and you're like, Vince, nailed it. That would be a pretty good feeling, wouldn't it? Okay, second problem we have with these resolutions. I was at a dinner party talking with someone. We were talking about Myers-Briggs. Everyone know Myers-Briggs? It's like a personality profile of 16 different things. He's like, I took the test. I hated my numbers. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I hated them. I'm like, well, were they wrong? No, they were right, but I hated them. How many of us have New Year's resolutions that look something like, I don't like myself, or I don't like a part of myself, and my New Year's resolution is to not be myself? This is why I asked Craig Reed to change the song. Because if our New Year's resolution is to not be who I am... We're kind of screwed, aren't we? What if our New Year's resolution looked a little different? What if instead of being like, you know, I'm highly rational, what if instead of that saying like, I don't want to be that, his Myers-Briggs was a high F. I want to be a high T. That's who I want to be. Okay. What if our New Year's resolution is to accept who we are? Maybe that's too big. Maybe it's to accept one little piece of ourselves. I am who I am. Maybe we even have this conception. I am fearfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Who I am is good. In my New Year's resolution, the bump of motivation, I'm going to apply it to me to say, and I accept that part of myself. What would that feel like? New Year's resolutions seem all about something's wrong with you. You need to fix it. What if it's the opposite? No, no, no. I am who I am. There's something right with me. Maybe loving ourselves, that maybe is too big of a goal. Accepting, just looking at myself without anger in my heart, I don't know. That would be pretty beautiful, wouldn't it? Now let me just jump out. There's a difference between 
who we are and how we behave. Who I am is who I am. It's not very changeable. That's the part we can accept. How we behave? One of the things this year, my resolution, so me and my wife were talking about this on the way home from Edmonton. I was like, um, in uh, background, in attachment language, there's islands and waves. Islands tend to be by themselves. Waves tend to be connected to people more. I tend to be on the islandy side. And I've been realizing, if I've been center for a while, over the last little while, it's kind of been doing this. <laughs> you know, anyone have that feeling? And all of a sudden, I'm pulling away more. I'm self-soothing more. It's who I am. This happened, you know, before I had words, before I was able to speak. To say, I don't want to be an island is kind of like, I don't want to be six foot tall. But to say, I want to behave a little different. I want to sometimes reach out to my partner and put my head on her lap and just be. That's something I could maybe do. This isn't an excuse to say, oh, this is who I am. I yell. No, those are behaviors. Those can change. But who we are, there's something beautiful about conceiving ourselves as fearfully and wonderfully made. And the resolution then is, I accept who I am. Maybe if you're really good, I love who I am. I started off by realizing you were all against me because none of y'all believed in New Year's resolutions. I hope I moved the needle a little bit to show you actually, I think there's some power. I think religion, organized religion, is actually tied into that power by creating festivals that happen regularly. It's not that we do them because if we don't, our conception of God will somehow be angry at us. We do them because it does something to us. And I think New Year's Eve gives us a bump in motivation. And then we ask ourselves, what will you do with that? It's a little bump. If you're trying to change everything, probably not enough. Start with the smallest thing you can get right 85% of the time. Build on that. Grow that. Over years, you might look like Ray Zahib. Started off by quitting smoking and every year went a bit further. Now the guy runs races that are just ridiculous. That's the power of small incremental changes that stick. My caution is also don't make resolutions that are about changing who you are. Or maybe even who your partner is. If you're partnered. Or if you're partners. Maybe the resolution today is, I accept who I am. It's not to say I'm stuck in my behavior. That we can change. But little. 
At Friend Church, we have this idea of there's I, each one of us is an I, and there's a they. If you look around the room, that's they. They are the people in your life. Some of the most beautiful resolutions that I can come up with, oh yeah, are when I do something that connects to me, takes water to the people around me, and finds a balance, I and they, creates a sense of we. The resolutions that are moving towards that, sometimes it's I need to speak up a bit more. Sometimes I need to listen more. If you grew up in a tradition that said I is bad and it's only they, (laughs) chances are maybe a resolution to say I am important. I am going to say what I want. I am going to say what I need. To find this we balance. Again, there's something more, there's something divine in those moments. As we end the year, I want to encourage us, not because there's something wrong with who we are, but because we strive to take water, we strive to create a sense of we in this world, we strive to love each other and be loved by each other, that we use the bump in motivation today to make an itty-bitty change, but one that sticks. Have an amazing New Year's Eve. I hope you are very well celebrated and you do do things that are not super bad for you that you have to deal with tomorrow morning. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody.